the Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. So what's wrong with Rangers? Their Champions League dream is over. The Scottish champions have lost three of this season's first four games. Stephen Cregan was at Ibrox last night as Rangers failed to beat 10-man Malmo. What's gone wrong, Crags? I don't think it's as simple as straightforward as just saying it's one thing. Every time there's a defeat in Glasgow for either club, it's micro-analysed. Everybody wants to blame something, whether it's supporters or whether they want to blame the referee. Sometimes a team just don't play well, Rob, and you're out of form. And it looks as if at the minute Rangers are out of form, struggling to get consistency in their play, not being creative enough, not being clinical enough at the final third but also conceding soft goals something didn't happen last season so I think it's a case of just being out of form I'm sensing a don't panic instruction from you then but that's Scottish football that's Glasgow one defeat is an absolute panic one win you're at sky high and Celtic being the prime example you know last Wednesday if, if you'd have been standing here talking about Celtic after losing against Hearts and going to was it Jablonic you'd have been saying oh it's awful it's dreadful they'd score four goals away from home they didn't score six against Dundee they're on the upward uh, trajectory and Rangers are suddenly <laughs> heading down the way. So it's it's yeah. theatre. Sitting looking from the outside, Rob, it's theatre just watching the emotions of supporters and players and fans. I think it's set up for a wonderful season. Yep. I was just about to say how quickly the complexion in Scottish football changes. Celtic appeared to be in crisis a matter of days ago. Six goals against Dundee on Sunday and they should get the job done tomorrow night in Europe and get to within a game of the Europa League group stages. Uh, John Hartson, the, the balance of power shifts mm. quickly, doesn't it, in the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl? It very much can do, yes. Um, you know, Craig's just said there, you know, Celtic on the up. Um, you know, if Ange was to, to go and win the league this year at Celtic, it would be the biggest sort of league win, I think, of all time. You know, when you think of, of where Celtic have had to come from, you know, changing the manager... He's come in, no director of football, no no uh, head of recruitment. Um, he's almost picking the players himself, uh, so we're led to believe. And um, he's almost had to build a new team, right from the goalkeeper all the way up to a centre forward. So, listen, it can be done. I think there's another, there's there's more, there's there's a bit more investment going to come into Celtic. I think that um, they're going to bring in another three, four, possibly five players before now and the end of August and uh, they're going to be even stronger again so you know I said at the start of the season it was Rangers' title to lose I still believe that on the strength of how well they did last season but um, you know things can change very very quickly in football as we know Rob you, sorry John you said there, this would be one of the biggest surprise league wins but if you were sitting at this stage last season you could not foresee Rangers winning the title after Celtic winning the previous nine and winning the previous, what, 11 trophies. Of course, they had the Scottish Cup, which came once the season got underway. I'm not too sure this one no. would be big. I tell you why, because Rangers had had three years to build. That was Stevie's third season in charge. He'd accumulated a good group of players. He'd had, he had good players. He had good experience. He had like, the likes of Davis, the likes of Arfield. The they likes fell of, away in two seasons. And, they I know, fell but, away. But, but they played. Celtic were, were poor. They were really, really poor last season. But Rangers were also very, very good. Mm. And it meant as much to Rangers yeah. stopping the 10 as what it meant yeah. to Celtic yeah. and achieving... But what you I'm know, saying is at the start of the season, you wouldn't have known that. You couldn't have... 
envisaged Rangers winning by 25 points no no absolutely not you know, you know no, what I mean? so absolutely yeah. not so that's what I'm talking yeah. about the yeah. big surprise yes. Celtic winning yes. the league list you know this year was probably as much as Rangers winning the league last year so mm. it just shows how high and low Scottish but football sir, can but get. Rangers had they had quite an accomplished group yeah. But it was a major tale of the unexpected in terms of the winning margin at the end of of, of 25 points. Uh, But we are uh, at the home of sweeping judgments and we will probably (laughs) dive off the deep end in the course of the next couple of hours as well in terms of what happened with Rangers uh, last night. We'll hear from Ange Postacoglu as well. He's been uh, holding his media conference today and he'll be talking about what John's just been talking about as well. How many more signings to come? How close are Celtic at the moment to bringing in another couple? And I think uh, the answer to that one is probably the next week or so as he builds up uh, his squad and as he recovers from what was a, a shaky start to the season, to say the least. But you can see that of Rangers now as well, having lost three of their first four. They were uh, 2-1 down against uh, Malmo uh, from last week in the Champions League qualifiers. But of course, there was that late goal from Stephen Davis, which seemed to have changed the, the whole complexion, shifted the balance of the tie. And then, of course, last night, Alfredo Morelos did what he's paid to do. He mm-hmm. scored. Uh, they were down to 10 men were Malmo by half time it seemed as if Rangers were about to get the job done and then of course it all went horribly wrong in the second half I think in terms of our performance it was certainly a game of two halves I thought we were really good in the first half started the game ever so well and I thought the crowd was terrific and we've gone in at half time exactly where we wanted to be you know 1-0 up defending really well in the second half we've gone out gave the boys the information and We've got to restart in the second half badly wrong from throwing situations. We've we've been passive and haven't defended them situa- situations very well. And at this level, good players and, and decent teams hurt you. And that's what's happened tonight. So really frustrated with our second half performance. Yeah, he looked and sounded down because one of his big targets for the season, Crags, has gone. Absolutely. You know, the Champions League, probably, you know, without looking too far ahead that he was looking towards the group stages and the finances, that would have been in the back of his mind. But, you know, for 35 minutes, he said for the first half, for 35 minutes, they were excellent. They were high intensity. They pressed. They won the ball back. Joe Rebo was like a man possessed. I thought Alfredo Morelos was like a man possessed with the energy they had and the drive they had in the team. Scott Wright looked bright. Ryan Kent was lively. Everything seemed to be going. But around about the 35-minute mark, it's as if they hit a wall. And suddenly, uh, Malmo started to pass the ball a bit better, started to find space because you can't play at that intensity all the time. And it's when you're have to take your foot off the gas is when you have to be hard to play against, drop into your shape. And there's a couple of times in that last 10 minutes of the first half where Morelos was coming short towards the ball and they were looking for him to spin. And John will tell you, when you start getting fatigued as a striker, you come even closer to the ball, you come closer to the ball and your teammates are saying, we need you to go that way. Mm. You know, so that that's the spell they needed to manage. And they you know, were a little bit untidy towards the end of the first half. You think they got away with it. Now get the second win, get the message from the manager, man sent off. But the way they started the second half was so poor. They couldn't keep possession. There was a nervousness in them. There was an expectation to go and win the game because they were down to 10 men. Once the first goal went in, you could see the body language starting to change. And Stephen Gerrard spoke about it himself. He spoke about the fear and the anxiety after the game. And it shone through for them, Rob. And then once it went 2-1, it took them 10 or 15 minutes to get grip of the game again when Malmo, you know, for 10 men, done really well. The shape was good. They kept two strikers up the pitch, Bramansevich and Chorlak. They stayed forward. They kept Rangers honest. And then it was a little bit of desperation football towards the end of long balls, shots from distance, not enough quality in their crossing. James Tavernier, who's been sensational for Rangers, you've got to say over his time, particularly with his crosses, 
but he had lost his way. He was hitting the first man. He was hitting it too deep. He wasn't cro- he crossed into the goalkeeper's hands, and suddenly that builds and confidence drained out of the team. And somehow Stephen Gerrard and his coaching staff have to look at it, check it inside out, and work out how that happened. Let's get Rangers fan Craig into the conversation. Hi, Craig. Hi, uh, well, Jags, John, how you doing? Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. What are you thinking? I've got to be honest with you, lads. I'm still uh, <clears throat> in a, a state of utter bewilderment at what happened last night. I, I, I'm baffled. I don't understand what on earth is going on at, at, at my football club right now. I can't put my finger on it. it you know, Yes, you know, Stephen's absolutely spot on when he says, you know, for 35 minutes we were terrific. The last 10 minutes of the second half, Malmo put us under a lot of pressure um, and, you know, Craig's was there commentating, you know, and they were not, you know, convincing with the defending um, at that stage of the game. It was very scrappy. It was, nobody was really getting the ball properly away out of the danger area and getting some sustained, you know, possession of it again. Um and at that point, I was thinking, you know, that we had got away with one because of how sloppy we had been defensively and then they go down to 10 men. Personally, you know, if I'm being brutally honest, it was probably slightly harsh on the lad to get sent off. Yeah. However, if you go in with a leg that high and you're on the booking, you do take the risk as well. So mm-hmm. he did give the referee a decision to make, however harsh it might have been. But that said, you know, <clears throat> at that point, you're thinking it could not have gone much better than being one nothing up on the night, 2-2 in the tie, level in the tie, you know, playing against 10 men, all you have to do at that point is manage the game. Because the fact is, we didn't even necessarily need to get a second goal in the second 45, because had it stayed one never meant to extra time, with 10 men, there's no question, they would have absolutely tired. And by extra time, they'd have been out of gas, because at that point in the game, you know, you're asking 10 men effectively to have played themselves the better part of 90 minutes um, by the time you get the end of the extra time so <clears throat> that's all we had to do was, was not concede and the, the manner that you conceded the goals you just thought we were down to 10 men you know throw-ins the second one in particular for me there's no reason why four of our defenders need to be around one guy for that throw-in as soon yeah. as he turns them there's nobody covering in the middle and there's nothing Alan McGregor can do about it although I do think with the first goal, he was a, and I'm, I'm not going to be critical of him because, you know, he's an absolute legend, but I think he's not looking fully sharp either because I think he probably saves the first goal last season because he, I, I, I don't know, I didn't feel he was quick enough in his reactions to it. It's a great finish, but for that kind of angle, a keeper of McGregor's quality, I'm, ex, I'm expecting to save that. Um, <clears throat> having said that, he's not at fault for, for the player being in that, that position anyway. I, and, I mean, now I'm looking at it thinking, if these players want to prove to people, you know, that the questions being asked about playing in front of crowds, about all that kind of stuff, they need to start winning football matches. You know, they've, they've played four now competitively. We've lost three in a row, which, by the way, we only lost three in 56 games last season. So, yeah. I mean, how we've already lost three in a row, I, I don't know. If you go back to pre-season, let's be honest, other than the Real Madrid result, even then, I think between pre-season and competitive, we've played nine times and only won, is it three or four of those games? Yeah. That's not a good um, record. And I can't, I just can't understand. It's the same players. It's not like it's different players. Other than 
fashion Sakala. Yes, there's been a bit of movement and rotation for one reason or another, but it is the same players. That defence played a lot of European games together last season. Craig, Craig, you, you, you could almost Craig, you could almost go back to the slack ten minutes that Rangers had uh, last week. You know, if if they defended better, you've got to defend for your lives when you're when you're playing at this level. Celtic have been guilty of it as well, being very slack. Um, and you've got to be more clinical. You know, you, you start the game fantastically well last night. You get perfect. You get the goal very early on. And then you've got to put teams to the sword. You really, really have. You can't be giving teams any encouragement whatsoever. You know, and for me, um, last week in Malmo, you got 2-0 down and you didn't play badly. Rangers actually did okay last week. They responded very well from the uh, from going two 0 down. They got the late goal through through uh, Stephen Davis. They got a big opportunity last, and everything was going absolutely brilliant for them. And then defensively, you're like you're all over the place. You you almost like get a little bit overawed. What what we're back in this game now? Yeah, I mean, but, Stephen Gerrard himself spoke about fear and panic in the got, performance. You've got to defend for your lives, Rob. At this stage, you know, your your career depends on it. And Celtic have been guilty of this as well. You go back last week, all of a sudden, Celtic are 3-1 up against uh, Jablonets, the team that they play tomorrow night. Yeah. And all they have to do is manage the game. They're not a particularly good game, Jablonets. They'll prove that tomorrow night. I think Celtic will win relatively comfortably. They've scored four goals, four different scorers over there last week, by the way, away from home. So you'll see for yourselves tomorrow night. But all of a sudden, at 3-1, you think, right, next week give yourselves a, a, a less pressure game, if you like, mm. where you can sort of, you can qualify and score goals. Next thing is 3-2. And all of a sudden you're thinking, that's just come from slackness. Somebody not quite doing their job. Somebody not closing people down. Yeah. Somebody not shifting across early enough defensively whatever you can pick the bones out of all types of goals but we're talking about a team that that, that started the season in chaos really in, in the midst of a massive Who's rebuild in chaos? Celtic in, in terms of the rebuild Celtic are doing yeah, at the moment sorry, so, so it's maybe so it's maybe you know not so surprising that Celtic are in that scenario mm -hmm. but it but it's really it's surprising surprise that that, yeah. that a team of Rangers strength and depth that they have and the squad was much more like it yeah. last night wasn't it the bench was was much better than mm -hmm. it, than it was last week so it's really shocking to see a Rangers team as disorganized Crags as they were Do you last know what night might have threw them they may have anticipated that Malmo would sit in, would go with a, a keep their three, keep their five in midfield, and keep one up front. And Rangers would have lots of the ball, but they didn't. And that's where you've got to credit John Dal Thomason. He kept two strikers up the pitch. They worked ever so hard. They pressed high. They gammed a little bit at the back. Mm. They thought if they're probably going to win this, I mean, Craig was saying, manage the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, don't concede. That's probably the time when Malmo thought, this is where we may have to strike. We may have to be brave. If we can get a goal, if we can get ourselves in front, then we can drop off and we can retreat and we can keep our shape. And that's exactly how it panned out. So I don't know if the Rangers yeah. players were caught a little bit cold, Craig, thinking Malmo won't come after us. They're going to drop off and try and take the game the extra time and, and, and you know try and get a breakaway. Because Rangers really were nervous. There was a nervousness about them which wasn't there last year. And people talk about crowds. I'm not you know, a big believer in the crowd thing because they've played in front of big crowds. You know, Braga, they've won at Celtic Park in front of a big crowd. Uh, uh, Porto at home, fan order at home in front of a big crowd. So that doesn't phase them. It's just people that are looking for other excuses or other things to talk about, other narratives which aren't there. But, you know, it doesn't suit people's agenda. I think anyway, you know, I think yeah. these guys have shown that. 
So it was just how they managed the opening 10, 12 minutes of the second half. John's right, they didn't manage the opening three minutes of the second half last week. So then is there an issue there with the information they're getting at halftime or how they're carrying it out? That's the problem. And, and I guess the, the ongoing question, Craig, is is this just a little bump in the road at the start of the season or is it something more serious? Is it something for you and the other Rangers fans to, to be really worried about? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's turning into a pretty big bump um, and one that's lasting a while, you know. I mean, we've got Dunfermline on Friday. Um, that That's the next game. You know, we know how important winning a cup is going to be for Stephen Gerrard because... Let's be frank here. His record in the cup competitions has been woeful, um, at, you know, at best. So he's got to try and win that. We should comfortably beat Dunfermline, but mm. I've got to be honest. If I'm the Dunfermline manager, yeah. I'm saying to my strikers, listen, any chance we get, their defence is shocky. It's uh, shoddy, rather. Mm. And you know, John Hartson said that last Thursday in the, the television when Celtic were playing um, to quote him, it was Sunday league defending. That that is what we've witnessed. Um, you know, yeah. not just last night, even last week in the game against Malmo, even arguably for the goal we conceded against Dundee United in the, well, on Saturday, because these aren't teams who have been littering their goal and peppermints with chance after chance have been under the cosh. These are teams that have got a couple of openings and they've exploited it and we've been majorly punished. For me, we have got to just, whatever it is Jim needs to do it needs to say it needs to be done quickly there's a few players I think need a rocket up their backside um, and because Celtic to me seems to me especially 6-0 at the weekend what that tells me is they're going to be particularly at home I think this season a real real threat because I think at home with them having their, their full crowds back behind them that's going to really motivate that Celtic team because they were they were missing it last season at home. You could see that with some of the results they, they probably wouldn't have otherwise had. So yeah. but what Rangers need to do is not let panic set in in that if Celtic put together a string of games because we need to because you're playing Celtic in a couple of weeks at Ibrox. That's a huge game. Mm-hmm. And so is the, the Europa League games. And all people and that's the other thing I wanted to say as well. It's a huge disappointment to get out of the Champions League. But I think a lot of people almost turned their noses up at the Europa League last night in response. You know, if we're honest here, the levels that Rangers and Celtic are at right now is probably Europa League level in Europe. And for me, we can, if we can get a form back, we can certainly qualify for that and try and get a run. The best you can hope for now is let's get a quarterfinal and also realise that we will get another shot at the Champions League, especially if we can win the league this season. It's a guarantee. Even if somehow yeah. we don't, you'll still get another chance. So yeah. they have to build. But I also, I'm not sure whether there's a couple of players going to now go out because that seems to be a talking now that because of the money that we could have to, you know, sell a few players. You know, people were talking about Morelos. I don't yeah. think Morelos will go because I don't think he wants to go. Yep. There's a lot of chat ongoing, isn't there, uh, coming off that result last night and what the implications are and all the rest of it. Uh, Craig, good to have you on the show and good to get your thoughts as well um, on the back of uh, that defeat for Rangers. uh, 2-1 in Sweden, 2-1 at Ibrox, 4-2 for Malmo. Overall, Rangers Champions League dream is over. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. That's what they've been telling me. Very slow traffic on the M8 eastbound between uh, Junction 29, A737 and Junction 14. Travel time is about 40 minutes. Argyle Street eastbound closed due to unsafe building from Eldersley Street to McIntyre Street. 
There is slow traffic on the M8 westbound from junction 13 to junction 18 in the roadworks area. Uh, queuing traffic on the M74 northbound at Junction 1. Queuing traffic on the M77 southbound at Junction 1. The A725 East Kilbride Expressway eastbound blocked queuing traffic due to an overturned car at High Blantyre Junction. Congestion to East Kilbride. And a police incident on the A8. Uh, restrictions on the bridge over the motorway is closed. The A8 at the M8 at Junction 7. Traffic, uh, we're told, is coping well. That's you up to date on Go. Oh, we didn't. What we didn't really need was uh, another somebody else on the travel there. This is the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday, on the back of a massive disappointment for Rangers at Ibrox last night, knocked out by Malmo in the Champions League qualifiers, and uh, one of uh, Steven Gerrard's big ambitions for the season uh, has gone. And I think you could see that, Crags, couldn't you, last night? Um, in his body language, how he looked and how he sounded in his post-match reaction. Even just watching his body language during the game, Rob, when it went to 1-1, you could see the frustration in his face, throwing his hands in the air. When the second one went in, he went and took a minute to himself, sat down before he came back onto the touchline. So it was a huge disappointment because, um, you know, after the season they had, the excitement over the summer, Champions League, people were talking about getting to the group stages, the money it was going to generate, win the league this year, generate money for next year. So suddenly people start getting carried away. I'm not too sure Stephen Gerrard got carried away, but ultimately, as a manager, you want to manage in the best competitions in the Champions League would have been one of his targets, absolutely. Well, we heard from uh, Craig, uh, a despondent Rangers fan before the break. Let's talk to Jason now. Hi, Jason. Evening, guys. How you doing? Yeah, Hi, Jason. Jason. not bad. How's your mood? Uh, terrible. Not in a good mood. No. Um, last night wasn't a, a great performance. It's been obviously a wee while since um, since I felt like that. Obviously back uh, um, last season, um, I just thought last night Rangers looked very very disjointed. There was not really much plan B going on. I felt like the ball was coming to Davis in the centre midfielders, and then either going out to Tavernier on the right. The crosses weren't making it past the first man. We were then trying it from the left again. The crosses weren't going past the first man. And there was just no, no sort of plan B. It was the same against London United on on um, Saturday there. I didn't think there was a plan B in that game either. And that's a concerning thing for me. So I just wanted to put that towards the panel. How do you how do you explain it, Jason? Or how do you try to explain it to yourself that a team that was in the main invincible last season uh, looks so vulnerable at the moment? <sighs> Listen, I don't know. I'd love to give you the answer to that. But I mean, last season, obviously, we never had the, the luxury of going to the games. So... As a Rangers supporter, I was at the game last night. Were you? Yeah. And um, you're expecting to go back to Ibrox, start watching a team that are that are champions with a champions mentality, um, and it just looks the complete opposite right now. To be honest, okay, it doesn't look like a team that just won the league last year. It looks like a team that are that are hurt. It looks like a team that you know I don't know what they're doing. To be honest, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm more shocked than anything. This yeah. is not what I expected. So. It's pretty concerning, to be honest. Craigs, you were there last night uh, among a full house crowd at Ibrox, and I, and I guess we all expected that to be that to make all the difference. I think Stephen Gerrard did because he was asking uh, for the for the crowd to get Rangers over the finishing line. He was because you know even against Livingston when they scored early, dominated the game. You know we're in their comfort zone. 
done enough to win the game against Malmo over there. You know, there wasn't an awful lot between it, but they had moments where they were a little bit slack and give up cheap goals. Didn't really carry a threat. Uh, against Dundee United, very similar. You know, were competitive in the game, but didn't carry that threat that Rangers carried last year when they were putting teams to the sword. You know, the pace and everything, the movement, the goals. You thought this was a good side. It looks like a side struggling for form, struggling to work out how to play against teams, players who were, in, uh, you know, influential last season, not as influential this season. You know, changes being made in the team, seven changes from, what, was it Livingston to Malmo's first game, then three changes, then four changes. So there's a lot of change in trying to work out the right formula, trying to get the players that suit how they want to play at the minute because everyone seems to be looking for a little bit of form. Someone said last night, complacency. Is that people enjoying last season and thinking that's us, we've won a trophy? Whereas John will tell you when you play in Glasgow, winning one trophy isn't enough. Mm. You're not judged on one, you're judged on winning your next one and your next one. You've got to have that hunger and... I'm not saying the players haven't got the hunger, but there's there's something lacking in the players, whether it's mentality, whether it's belief, whether it's uh, confidence. I don't know, but they look a shadow of the team that were there last year. Again, I said at the top of the programme, sometimes it's just form. You just don't play well enough and there's too many players not playing well enough. I don't think there's any side issues. I just don't think they're, you know, they've got the form. And sometimes as well, you know, you, you need your big players to turn up. You think Morelos was excellent last night for 35 minutes. And then he struggled towards the end a little bit. He just ran out of puff, I think. Um, look at Ryan Kent putting a marvellous ball for the goal. Um, you know, how do you defend against that? It's an incredible ball in. But then you've got the likes of Tavernier, who's got normally got great quality. As you said, he hit the, the first man. Either he hit the first man or he went beyond everybody. The likes of Steve Davis normally drives the team on. Did you miss Kamara? Um, why didn't he put Itten on earlier? Uh, when you're putting crosses into the box, you need a target man. You need a focal point up that he stayed with. The you know the the three. Did he bring Haji on? Was, did Haji brought, come on later? Haji on. Haji came on, and, and and Haji generally right. will will go past. He he's capable of doing something special. And in these games where it's not quite going well, you just need one of them big players that you have. One of them sort of game changers to do something really well. You know, but. I go back to it defensively. You know, the, you were slack in the first game and you were very fortunate to have got the second chance, I think, Rangers, with Stephen Davis's goal. You do brilliantly. The crowd are up last night. Massive noise, great atmosphere. And and I think it just, the bubble burst. The bubble just burst. Again, two, two decent goals from Malmo last night, but I think they could have been stopped. I think they could have been defended, they could have defended them goals better. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, Stephen Gerrard said himself, I thought he was very honest in, in his press conference today, he basically said, we just weren't good enough. We yeah. just did, we weren't, we, they played better than us. We should be getting it into the front. We should be trying to play off the front man, play round the corner balls, get it wide, zip it in, zip it into the box. So the goalkeeper's struggling to come, the defenders are, are backing onto their goalkeepers. And he normally get that quality from Tavernier on that right-hand side. Maybe it was just an off night. It just didn't happen. Celtic have had many of them in the last year or so. John Hartson, uh, Stephen Craig and Rob McLean, the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday. Jason on the line. And we've got Michael uh, from Port Glasgow as well. Hi, Michael. Hiya. Hi, team. Hi, Michael. Hi, what, Michael. Would you, what would you like to Hiya. say, Michael? Um, point to you, oh, you guys pretty much after last night's follow um, again on Tavernier. Uh, point being that he's a one-trip pony. I really don't get it. It's been the same consistent failure 
to provide ball past the front man at the front post because they just overload it. Um, then again, a lumping ball forward to a back post area for a header in. Who's going to put their head on the end yet, to be honest with you? Because we've not got Anton on the park. And then again, Scott Wright playing through 40 minutes, busting to try and get forward. Now his legs ended up coming away from him. And Stevie G can't recognise the fact that Scott Wright's finished and our field's done and we don't make changes quick enough. We've got Patterson, the wonder kid, sitting on that bench. And you can clearly see a difference from last season to this season. You drop to have bring Patterson on. He's got just as much pace, just as much flair. And Malmo having not read that player. They're not anticipating that player coming onto that pitch. Mm. They, they know what he expects with Tav. They know how he plays on what fit. They can read them very well, double mark them, whatever. And it just closes the game down. And that's what happened last night. Well, Even though they went to 10 I men. Think, I think, Michael, I think you make a great point, you know, because when Patterson came in, it was almost like a kick up the backside for Tavernier as well. But yeah, because and, because he'd been he'd been so good before he came out of the team, he scored all them goals. Um, he's very reliable, obviously. You can't fault him as a captain for no, goal no, and he's done he very. Had a he's done, run of form. He's, he's done very well, but you know, Patterson came in and he didn't put a foot wrong. And I think it was only because um, Tavernier being captain. Gerard bringing him back in, being loyal to his captain, being loyal to one of his best performers. But I th- I still think Patterson was... Mm. He could say, am I, am I wrong? Am I, was he a little bit unlucky to come straight out of the team? Once He's got a huge Pat- call, once, isn't once it? Once got a huge fit. call. I want to I throw Michael's point to Jason, see, see, see what your reaction to that, Jason, is. Uh, Tavernier, a one-trick pony. What what do you think? If you had asked me that last season, I would, I would say no. Um, exactly, Jason. Three games this season. Um, uh, listen, the thing is with Tavernier, he had a great season last season. But prior to that, in my opinion, I was not a big James Tavernier fan prior to last season. Last season, he really changed my opinion on him. Um, his leadership, uh, the way that he was getting forward, his goal scoring record, the balls into the box. But I feel like the, if, you, if you're asking me the first three games of this season, we're not seeing Tavernier of, 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 of last. We're seeing mm-hmm. Tavernier of two, three seasons ago. And if that starts creeping back in, Nathan Parsons going to be sat on that bench looking on thinking, what do I need to do to get a chance in this team? Because but do you know what, though, guys? Do you know what, though? Sorry. Do you know what? He still has a wand of a right foot. Now, I know he didn't quite show it last night, but generally, Tavernier has got one of the best delivers of a ball yeah. in Scotland. Where he can whip it. Mm-hmm. I mean, put some serious whip on it right into some really dangerous areas from that right-hand side. He's up and down, and I, I don't think you can just throw him under a bus because he's had a couple of indifferent performances. Could this be a big wake-up call? Well, the thing is, there's now somebody to challenge James Tavernier. You know, previously there hasn't been, so managers are stuck yeah, with him. So the question is, Kai, well, so the should Patterson be playing? Well, he'll play on Friday. I would imagine Nathan Patterson will play on Friday. If he doesn't play on Friday... You would think Nathan Patterson has to think, I need to go and loan. I thought he would have played at Tannadice. Yeah, well, oh, what comes, I, I what need comes to, off Friday then? I need to uh, go and loan. Oh, sorry, uh, well, sorry if, Michael. If he feels he's good enough to play, he's got to go and see the manager and say, look, I think I think I, I should be in the team. He's a young boy. I, I think that's an So after last night's fallout, right, and you say we've got them firmly on Friday night, right, and 
you go there and Friday night look at that and they didn't film and look at what happened last night and they play exact same scenario right on the face of them they don't let the ball move about too much Rangers mm-hmm. are going to struggle I think, you, I think you'll have a bit too much quality no disrespect yeah. to Dan Firmlin I think Rangers will have a bit too much has, has it got banana skin potential that, about you, it this game? I, I would say so I think on Friday night if Rangers show the complacency that they've shown in the past um, three games obviously Dunfermline on a Friday night at Ibrox is, is a cup final to them so they'll be right up for this game off the back of watching us uh, defensively over the last games that we've played uh-huh. previously if, if we show any any signs of weakness at the back and Dunfermline you know get a goal I, I mean it, tr- mm-hmm. trust me on if, if Rangers don't get a win on Friday night at Ibrox the mood at Ibrox will go very, very similar, very, very quickly. On the flip side, I would say Dunfermline lost 3-0 at home against Partick Thistle on Friday. Uh, sorry, last Saturday. So they're not exactly coming into the game no. full of confidence. Well, they you look play... at Partick Thistle game, John, when Rangers played them? At the West, sorry. Yeah. The Partick Thistle game first when pre-season. Rangers played them pre-season. And yeah. saying that, it was the first game. game. Yeah. You know, they played 11, but they played, there's 21 players. They've had basically the game, a wee bit of time off. They should be on a rampant rampage running over the top of Partick Thistle because it's a pre-season friendly. They've not changed very many people on that team. So you could say to yourself, it doesn't matter who they put on that pitch. Are, are you still... They should be running are, over are, the top of Partick Thistle. Are you still over-reliant on, over-reliant on Morelos? Oh, of course. Last night said it all. Yeah. Different team when they play. They hold up play from Morelos. I think it's a different team when he plays no doubt about it it's a different team altogether when he's not yeah I agree because there's no creative play Michael are you gloomy about the season at this stage? no not at all I just believe that they're stuck in a wee bit of uncertainty Tavernier needs to get a grip of that changing room quickly and if he's not capable of doing it pass it on Clearly, if you're not winning that changing room for Stevie G and you're not winning and delivering on that pitch as a captain, hand the captaincy over to somebody who's going to grab that team by a scruffy neck and drag it through mm-hmm. again. Because it's not happening just now. Did you hear Tavernier once last night pull anybody up for slack passing? He's doing it himself. How can he pull somebody up when he's doing the exact same himself? I just think maybe Friday you'll see Steven Gerrard ring the changes and I think he can afford to do that because no disrespect that I say with all due respect to Dunfermline you're at home um, it's in the cup and I think he'll ring the changes and it's almost like saying right there's there's the changes I'm going to do um, Sakala might start Patterson might start one or two others might come in Hadji will start um, and then all of a sudden they say it's like saying to them right you've got the shirt the guys were poor for the last three games. You've got it. Hold on to it. Show me. Now, I know it's only done firmly, and people can say last weekend Celtic, second it was only Dundee. But listen, if you're not at it, if you're not at it, you can get undone. Celtic lost to Ross County in the, in the Cup last season. Rangers lost, you know, when they were almost home and dry to St. Mirren when they conceded a last-minute corner. So it's almost like, and I think he will ring the changes, not only to give the lads who are currently being in the team a little bit of a shake-up, but to also show the ones who are loyal to him and sitting on the bench almost every other week that, right, this is your opportunity. And he, he might just throw a cat amongst a pigeon and make four or five changes on uh, on the on the weekend. Jason, and oh, Ma- I'm in part, 
Jason and Michael, thanks a lot. Uh, we're heading for a break. Thanks a lot for calling us. No problem. All Thank the best you. to you both. Bye-bye. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. And this is the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday off the back of Rangers crashing out of uh, Champions League contention. It's all going to be about the Europa League qualifiers now for Rangers. And of course, as of tomorrow night, Scotland's other four European representatives are uh, very much involved. St Johnston at home to Galatasaray. Hibs are in Croatia to play Rijeka. Celtic at home to Yablonets. John Hartson will be at that game 7.45 kickoff. John just in case you were making your travel plans to the East End uh, tomorrow night and Aberdeen at home to Breda Bleak uh, the Icelanders after a 3-2 win in the first leg of that one. It's going to be a full house John at Celtic Park yeah. tomorrow night oh, yeah. and, they're, and they're going to be big crowds at all these games and, and it's particularly good I think to, to hear that, that McDermott Park is going to be packed out and, and it should be after their result in Turkey last week. Absolutely. Galatasaray come to town that doesn't happen every week um, but no I think the, the crowds full houses is fantastic you know I think uh, the players have missed it certain clubs have missed having the crowd there um, a, a lot of people were saying Celtic last season if the crowds were there might have been different listen you know that, that doesn't take anything away from Rangers winning the league as comfortable as what they did but no I, th- I think it's great for the kids for the you know, for, to get the season ticket books back uh, up and running, and financially as well, it it helps it helps the situation for each club. Um, but no, it's a great thing. I'm delighted they're all back in. Let's talk to Jordan, who's a Celtic fan. It is great news, isn't it, Jordan? That uh, that is going to be packed out tomorrow night. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I wasn't able to get tickets for uh, for Parkhead, but um, I'm going to make my way along to McDermott with my in-laws tomorrow. Oh, uh, are you? Good. Watch the Galatasaray game. Yeah, I managed to get. Managed to get tickets. Unfortunately, it took a bit of doing. I know the, the club are working really hard to get everyone in. So I think it's a sellout now at this point almost. So, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, what? absolutely buzzing to be back in a full house of football. What, what size of crowd will that be at McDermott Park then? What What is a full house? I think it's about 10,000. Yeah, right. I don't actually think they've had a full house since 2001. I think it was a starter red. So yes, yeah, so that's the first time in 20 years. That is so, that that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Do you, do you think Jordan they'll get the get the job done? Because I mean, obviously the first leg result was amazing. I'd like to think so. You know, I think uh, this Saints team is absolutely full of surprises. You know, the the double last year, and then uh, I think everyone thought they were going to get a bit of a doing last week against Galatasaray. Yeah. I thought they didn't they just hold on. You know, what I mean, they made some decent chances and they, they put Galatasaray under. Not a lot of pressure, but. Do you know what I mean? A 1-1 result away from home for St Johnson against Galatasaray is unbelievable. So I don't think there's any reason they can't do it tomorrow, to be honest with you. Just, this just, team of players has proven time and time again. Yeah, just when we thought, Craigs, that uh, Callum Davidson's stock couldn't well, rise any higher. The thing is, we keep being surprised at what St Johnston achieve. And then they do something else and we become surprised again. Maybe it's just the norm that you know this team are perfor- performing beyond their capabilities, but they're able to maintain it. You know, sometimes teams go up and down and up and down and that's, you know, inconsistency. But they've reached a level of consistency. I've said it continually, you know, they know their system inside out. They trust each other. They cover for each other. They work ever so hard. And Ali McCann, I mean, I know he's born in Scotland, plays for Northern Ireland, but I thought last week against Galatasaray, he was terrific. A real driving force from midfield. Uh, For Callum Davidson's sake, he'll want to stay in Europe as long as he can because you feel as if, if they go out of Europe, Alexis Sean Rooney and Ali McCann may, and Jason Kerr even Jamie McCart is another one who's been linked with moves that these players may look to move on at some stage but certainly I think today uh, 
there was what 800 tickets left this morning something like that mm. Jordan you know so I think to have that kind of crowd at Perth it's not even just because of the Galatasaray result because of what happened last season Rob yeah. you know the mm. players getting the adulation and let's hope that St Johnston can hang on to a few of them yeah. and if a couple of thousand want to keep coming back every single week and just wow. take their crowds yeah. up it would be terrific all yeah. round we'd all want that wouldn't we yeah. Stephen Craig and John Hartson Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday Jordan is with us you're a, you're a Celtic fan uh, Jordan uh, yeah. what are you thinking I, I think has Ange turned a corner do you feel? I, I just I think I said it the other week I think it shows he's clearly come in with a very clear game plan of how he wants to play football and I, I said this to my dad earlier I was thinking every time I've watched them play they've got a little bit better from the the first, even from the game against Hearts and the, the first Jabonis game, and then I know it was no disrespect to Dundee, but I thought they were fantastic at the weekend. So I think he's he's now getting he's getting to bed his system in. I think I don't know if I, you don't want to sit and see a corner's turn, but I think the treble's definitely on now. If you ask me, um, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't hold it, Jordan. You had to have a giggle. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Just when we were taking no, you seriously as well. Don't rule it out, Jordan. Don't rule it out, pal. <laughs> No, I just I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. I don't think this season was going to be as cut and dry as everyone thought it was. Um, I think Rangers as well. They were missing a lot of players on their bench last night, and I think if if your bench isn't as strong as it needs to be, but then when you need to actually turn a corner in a game like they did last night, they're going to struggle. Whereas I think Celtic are maybe starting to look like their bench is a little bit deeper than it was before. Um, I do, I do think this season is going to be very interesting. I think uh, come the twenty second of August when. Uh, when the derby happens, I think there's, it's going to be very interesting. I think I don't know if you'll get a marker as to who's going to win, but um, I think you'll be able to see exactly how well Ange has done in yeah. changing his system and, and whether or not it's going to make a difference. Because like, last year, Rangers were just imperious. As yeah. bad as Celtic were, mm. Rangers were outstanding. You know, and, so. and it looks, Jordan, as if Celtic have made a sensational signing, doesn't it? E- even in mm. just his first couple of outings. Uh, John, you were there yeah. uh, for that hat-trick against Dundee. Uh, Kyogo Furuhashi looks to be something special, not just in what he does, but I think he has a big infectious influence on, on everyone else around him as well, doesn't he? Well, he does, and his movement is top-notch. His movement, um, he makes certain runs to allow other players to get in. The goal last week, um, it was uh, Greg Taylor from the left-hand side. One of the goals, he crossed it, he hit it in first time, and Furuhashi has gone across the near, which allowed the ball then to go to a bar that would come in from the right-hand side, and he had two attempts at it. He hit it first time, goalkeeper saved it, and he put in the replay. So without that centre-forward making that run, his movement is very, very clever, he's unselfish, and at the weekend there, well, Robbie, he could have scored six goals. Mm. He really could have done this. Some of the, 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 the ones that he missed, you know, he'd probably be, were probably easier than the ones he scored. But um, he looked sharp. He looks a real finisher. And he's an unbelievable find. Mm. Nobody knew anything about him. Obviously, the manager, you know, in Japan, yeah. worked with him, um, brought him over. I think it's £4.5 million. Pounds, yeah. And he looks a superstar. Now, I know it's early days, but just to score a hat-trick well, on your first, yeah. you know, home sort of game, your, your home league debut, if you like, Um and that's four goals in two games. But other than he just looks a player. He does. He just looks clever. And six, look, six he looks goals, the Sean. real deal. When was the last time a Celtic centre forward could have scored six goals in a game? As mm. much as I think Odson Edward is a smashing player. Yeah. When was the last time he watched mm. him thought he could have scored six? Well, Christ, we could be you in know, a situation where we, we Celtic might might keep them both. 
There's no series. I think we're going to go on and talk yeah. a little bit yeah. about we, Edward. We will take a talk about him. I'm not him, too yeah. sure in terms of the bids, what's come in, what's, what, what, what are his feelings yeah. now. Yeah. Um, because there, would, there would come a point, wouldn't there, where you would have to think, is it worth selling him at that price or are we going to get more value out of keeping him for the yeah. season and have Good Edward show. and Furuhashi? Yeah. yeah, and I can imagine have the two of them staying on this season. You know, even if they can keep him possibly till... Mm even January, to see what happens in the next sort of three to four, mm. five I mean, months, however. He won't get a them. game in this, on this one, <laughs> yeah, will he? No, no, he won't want to sit in the bench. Well, His value's going to depreciate. having the yeah. quality of, to choose from them two. And the other thing, Jordan, would be Ryan Christie. You know, could, could Ryan Christie be persuaded to stay? Because what a connection he seems to have oh. with Furuhashi based on, on Sunday. I, I, think it's, I think Ryan Christie was, uh, the way that Lennon played him, sort of more advanced, uh, last year maybe just didn't suit his style of play because uh, like his record from shooting outside the box was horrific whereas like, the last two or three games he's been unbelievable that pass for uh, for Furuhashi's yeah. uh, second or third goal yeah. that new look pass the defenders absolute mustard you know? yeah so, it was the, the, I think if, if he can convince him to get another year or two out of him on the score, so at least sign the extension to get the season out of the way because it looks like Ange the way that Ange plays football is going to perfectly suit Ryan Christie you know I mean a lot of because he's got probably one of the biggest tanks uh, in Scottish football, you know I mean? so he gets to run at people, he always gets to move into attacking positions, he's always going to get that, he's, and especially like you say with, with Kyogo, he now knows that there's someone in the box, Like as, as good as Edouard is, he isn't your, your, your middle of the penalty box striker, so he likes to come deep, receive the ball, turn and skin a few people, whereas, like John said there, Furahashi's uh, movement is, he's just always trying to get into the space, always trying to make defenders feel uncomfortable, and if you've got someone who can pass the ball like Ryan Christie putting the balls into you, then that's just a, a match made in heaven. Thanks for your call, Cheers, Jordan. Jordan. Good to Jordan. good to talk to you again. And uh, Jordan, you. like all Celtic fans, hoping that uh, his team can get the job done uh, tomorrow night against Jablonet and get to that playoff round in the Europa League. Well, that's been a quick hour on the Go Radio Football Show. Let's have another 60 minutes of football chat on the other side of the news. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Yeah, thanks for all your calls on the show so far. Lively for 60 minutes. It's been Craig and Jason and Michael and Jordan all in touch. Uh, talking about Rangers, what's gone wrong uh, as the Champions League uh, possibility ends for Rangers now? All about the Europa League uh, for them. Can they qualify for the group stages of that? The other four Scottish teams involved uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, let's hope uh, we're still talking about lots of Scottish clubs in contention to play European football up till Christmas. Uh, we've had some... Uh, Controversial viewpoints, I guess, as well. It was Michael that was saying uh, he reckons James Tavernier is a one-trick pony and it's time for Nathan Patterson to come into the team. Uh, we'd Craig early on uh, asking um, how the Rangers players could play so badly after what they came up with last season. And on the socials, a response uh, from Tony to what Craig was saying. And he says, remind Craig, uh, this is still the same squad that bottled it the season before. <laughs> it's all getting a bit lively, isn't it? Last season was the anomaly, not recent form. And squad depth, no one is telling me bringing in Eaton and 40-year-old Defoe is depth. So it's funny, Crags, uh, isn't it? How that complexion uh, in the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl changes just in a matter yeah. of days. And it's going to continue that way, Rob, week after week. I think, you know, I feel as if Rangers and Celtic will drop more points in the league this season than they've done accumulatively for quite a long time. 
Um, I just think there maybe their eyes on European football, but I just think the likes of Hibs look stronger. Aberdeen look good this year. Hearts are back in the league. You know, there's three or four clubs done the United took points off Rangers. So there's teams there who now will believe, particularly in their own ground. When you say that as well, Craig, that's generally where the league goes. I know Rangers didn't lose to Celtic last season, um, but generally the the games, Celtic Rangers games, they they very seldom decide where decide the, the title table. goes. Exactly. You know, it's Aberdeen away, and it, which is a tough fixture always. Yeah. And Hearts are back yeah. in already beating Celtic. So I think sometimes you know people overlook another yeah. fantastic games to be involved in, but um, they don't always decide the results no. you get. Uh, where the title goes. But isn't it refreshing to see the Scottish Premiership table? Hibs played two six points. Aberdeen played two six points. Hearts played two six points. That's a top three. It would be nice if they could hang around there for a little while, for, go for, 10, for, 12. For, for, for two weeks. Yeah, well, do, do, do you think no, the Celtic and Rangers fans are describing yeah, that as no, refreshing no, no, at the moment? No, but it is. You know, from, from smaller clubs looking up and, yeah. you know, for the excitement of the Scottish football and people looking for, yes, it's only two games, but it would be nice if they could hang about for 10, 12 games. Yeah, it would actually. Just yeah. to see what would happen, bring a little bit more competition about it. So let's hope they can do that. But I'm sure you're right, the Rangers and Celtic fans would be thinking, no, we want to get back <laughs> on top. Refreshing, exactly. he's got to be no kidding. Chance. Stephen Craig and John Hartson, Rob McLean, the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday. Join us, have uh, join in the football chat 0808 17 17 700 if you want to get involved with us. Let's talk to Cami, who's a Rangers fan. Hi, Cami. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi, Cami. Hi, Cami. How are you? More to the point on the back of last night. Uh, not so good, to be honest with you. I was really disappointed. I expected Rangers to come out firing, which they did. The first 35 minutes, they were superb. And then half-time came. I did think before half-time, them getting a man sent off would play into our favour but it seemed to help Malmo more than it helped us and it looked as if we were the team playing with 10 men Yeah and I just think you know once they got that first goal you know goals give teams oxygen and it gave the players oxygen last night of Malmo their game plan I said earlier on would have been come out don't set off can we get a goal at early part of this game because they done it last week in Malmo you know they came out and started the second half Rangers were a little bit lazy early on they got themselves two goals so the manager, John Dal Thomason, probably said to the players, listen, if we can get one as a weakness here, you know, we've witnessed it last week, can we go and do the same again? Yes, we're a man down, we can't afford to go too deep into the game, we need to do it while we're fresh and while we can have a goal. And suddenly getting the first goal, getting the second goal, it really took the belief away from Rangers, give them then something to hang on to. They could sit deep, they could frustrate, they could see the game out in the way they wanted. Uh, and Steven Gerrard said it himself, he felt as if Rangers became a little bit desperate towards the end. You know, shooting from 30, 40 yards, crosses hitting first man, you know, playing the ball side to side rather than being incisive and trying to go through the heart of Malmo. To be fair, they'd congested that area. They were coming up the wide areas and thinking, cross if you want because we're going to defend it. So, yeah, you know, it's a huge disappointment when it's almost mirror image of the game from last week. Mm. Just after half time, lack of concentration, giving up cheap goals. And this season, since Rangers, uh, well, all the, game, the league games or the cup games have played also, when they went behind in a game, they haven't come back to win it. Yeah. Conceded against Malmo, couldn't come back to win a Malmo. Uh, Dundee United away, conceded first, couldn't do it. Scored first against Malmo. Malmo went ahead last night, couldn't overcome that again. So that's another little psychological barrier they will have to get over at some stage. And that defence, Cami, that was so strong last season, 
um, is suddenly looking vulnerable at the moment. Here's your gaffer uh, speaking about it. Football, when you can see the goal, normally everyone looks for, for individuals. But I think as a team, defensively, we haven't been good enough second half. We've conceded two goals in, in the first leg and two in the second leg. When you concede four goals over two games, you give yourself a, a huge mountain to climb. So I'm really disappointed with conceding four goals. We've lost the second half tonight 2-0. So we'll analyse it, but there's certainly no pointing fingers at individuals. As a team, as a unit, we haven't defended two restarts well enough tonight. And we had two poor situations last week in the second half and again at the weekend. So we need to look at that. We might need to make some changes within that to get better as a unit. And we need to work on it to become better and hard to play against. It's difficult to explain, isn't it, Cammy? Uh, what's gone wrong for Rangers? And I mean, it's the first time in six years and certainly the first time in Steven Gerrard's time that they've lost three straight games. Yeah, I mean, the wonderful defence, I watched it, Malmo scored four goals against Rangers across the two legs, and I think three of the goals were probably preventable. Apart from the boys' superb finish last night for Malmo's first goal, I think three of the goals were, were very preventable, especially the second one last night. I think Balogun's too tight to his man, and yeah. Joe Aribo comes across and gets too tight as well. It was a superb touch from the boys to get away from the two of them. That it shouldn't be happening, especially Champions League level. You can't have your defender being that tight. You should know what the, bo- what the boy's going to do when the ball comes into him. Um, it's very poor. Um, I didn't expect, I don't know really what's happened to the defence because of how solid they were last season. Um, but something that baffles me about the start of the season is that under Steven Gerrard, we've always started the season extremely well. It's usually only after the winter break that stuff seems to start to uh, go wrong for us. So to start the season this poorly is something that Stephen Gerrard and his squad won't be used to. It's really costly, John, as well, isn't it? You know, th- th- we're talking thirty to forty million pounds immediately here in terms of what ra- Rangers could have been bringing in, and you just wonder what the repercussions might be here. Will there be a desire to balance the books? Will there be a high-profile player sold on on the back of last night's result? You would think. Um, well, the, the, the list, I'd be I'd be listening to the to the to the media outfall and the chat and everything else. You would think. Um, Rangers would have to sell a player. I don't know what Cammy thinks about that, but just to try and appease maybe the board, bring some money into the club, because you know they could have gone on and and even added more mm. if they had. Let's not forget either, by the way, if they had gone through last night, they'd have had another another fixture yeah, as yeah. well. Um, but the other fixtures don't seem. I think there was a team from Armenia, team from Kazakhstan. No, that's the Europa. It would have been against uh, Olympiakos or Yeah, they went through Little yeah, yeah. yeah, right. what, what do you think, Cammy? I mean, do you, do you think that somebody's going to be sold on the back of not making the Champions League? Possibly. Um, I, I, did, I do think someone, I thought somebody would have been sold by now if someone was to leave. I, you thought, I think at the start of the transfer window, everyone was looking at Alfredo Manelos and think if anyone was to leave the football club, it would be him. And now he's looking like he won't leave. He looks as if he wants to stay. When he scored his goal last night, he's done the celebration when he points to the ground to say, look, this is where, this is where I'm going to be playing my football. But I look at it, if I was to lose one player from that squad, it, I would call, probably be Glenn Chamara for me, just for the fact, I think he's a great player and he probably does get into that Rangers midfield. But for the price that they bought him in for, he could sell him on for probably 10 to £12 million and it's a massive profit for Rangers. Yeah. 
but I, I would probably look to sell him if we had to. See, I think it's a bit of a crossroads for both clubs. I'm going to try and bring Celtic slightly in this and I'll tell you why. Because Rangers now, I wouldn't say they were bankrupt, they were thinking they could have made that Champions League money this year, right? So they're thinking, right, it's not there. Listen, Europa League money's still good, but they have to progress and they have to win games. So the eyes will now think, well, what about next season in the Champions League? We win the title, we get that money next year. Celtic will be thinking, if we win the title, we've got a better belief about ourselves, we can get that money. So what do both clubs do? The Rangers gamble and say, well, do you know what? No, we're going to keep this squad together. Let's get to Christmas and see where we are. And then if we have to sell, we can sell in January. The Celtic say, well, we're going to invest. We think we can catch Rangers now. They're looking a little bit vulnerable. So do we spend more money? <laughs> and then they gamble yeah. and gamble and gamble to see who gets. And ultimately, at the end of the season, one of them is going to be hugely disappointed and could be in a little bit of trouble financially if they're not careful with their money. But it's going to be intriguing how it's played out over the next month. Yeah. By the time we get, over the next few weeks, actually, by the time we get to the end of this transfer window, who's going to gamble the most? Who's going to have to sell? Who's going to show their hand? Because at the end of this, I mean, this is one of the richest Scottish Premiership titles probably has ever been. Mm. When you're talking 30 to 40 million pounds guaranteed, right into the group stages. It's been a long time since that happened in the country. I'm sure people will tell me maybe 2012, 13, 14, something like that. So the carrot dangling at the end is mm. huge. Do you think, well, but, We'll risk it. Let's get to January and see where we are, and then let's move on a little bit further. So, how did both yeah. players out with clubs? You know, it, it, it just adds an extra dimension for me. It is a question, isn't it, John, of, of how long you extend the gamble? Yeah. Uh, do Rangers now want to get some return because they don't have the Champions League money, or are they going to stick with it in the hope that they're title winners again and they, as Craig says, get straight into the Champions League yeah, next and, season? And there'll be a group that are. In the flow, I know they've just lost the last three, but in the flow in terms of winning the league last season, doing ever so well in Europe last season, generally same players, same group. Um, you know, so they are the favourites to win the Scottish Premiership on the back of, you know, winning it convincingly last season. Uh, they've had a poor couple of games, but it's, you're right what you're saying. It's, we just went over it with Edward. You know, what happens now if Celtic only get 12, 13 million for him or something or a bid comes in Do you keep him? They're going to see yeah. he's worth an awful lot more than this mm. If Edward goes in and partners Firuhashi over the next three or four months and gets himself 15, 20 goals all of a sudden his value goes back up again because yeah. he's still got another two or three years left on his contract so it ain't going to affect the length of the contract that he's got left So, you know, it's a case of no, it's, it's exciting mm. It really is exciting the fact that that Celtic are showing um, signs of of regrouping and building a team that can be competitive and potentially challenge. That's ultimately what, what Ange Postacoglu has been brought in to do. They've changed a manager and I think he's ahead of his time at the minute. Cami, I guess nothing is going to compensate for, in European terms, for not getting to the, the Champions League. But... I guess the focus for, for your team now has to be on doing even better than you've done in the last couple of years in the Europa. Yeah, I think um, Rangers have always done extremely well in Europe under Stephen Gerrard and they always get that to that knockout stage in, stage in Europa League and they just don't make it to the quarterfinals which is where every fan thinks we should probably be getting to when we do make European football so it'd be nice to see them go to that the competition so it all depends on the draw I think last season we just got um, what was it Sparta Slavia sorry yeah. and um, I think we thought uh, we'll, we'll beat them we'll go into the quarterfinals this is an easy draw for us 
probably from after what's just happened with Malmo. I think we thought it was an easy draw for us and we'll go through and then we'll go through and we'll beat Olympiacos because we all assumed Olympiacos would go through. And that's not what's panned out. So it's probably what Stephen Gerrard kept on saying last year was next game at a time, next game at a time. But I think Stephen Gerrard needs to redeem, him, needs to redeem himself by getting us to the quarterfinals in Europa League this year. Are you worried at all about Friday night or do you see that as the perfect opportunity to kickstart the season in the League Cup against Dunfermline? No, I'm I'm quite nervous for it on, on Friday night, Rob, to be honest with you. Because I look at Stephen Gerrard's Cup record and I think the run of form that we're on just now, the last game Rangers want to go into, I understand Dunfermline are in the Championship just now. The last game Rangers want to go into, I think it would be a Cup game. Yeah, I think I think I think I feel the same way about that game for Rangers. I know I know you think John it's perfect because Rangers can steamroller Dunfermline and and get get back to get back on track, but it is an awkward game when you've just lost Crags three on the bounce. Yeah, but this is when you'll see the real character of your players and the ones you put in. You know, some of the boys you may bring in haven't been burdened with not playing well in the last couple of games. You know, Alexa Calvin Bassey's not playing. I'd imagine he'll want to get a start. Yanis Hadji will be desperately keen to make an impact and get himself into the team. Nathan Patterson's another one. So these guys should be coming in with a real hunger. John touched on it earlier to say, I want to play in this team. If your team's struggling at the minute, Gaffer, I want to show you what I can do. And I would expect those guys to carry the fight to Dunfermline. And people will say it's only Dunfermline, but ultimately you want to catch a manager's eye. You want to show what you're all about. You want to show an energy and an appetite. You want to get the fans going again. Sakala will want to get some more goals into his game. He'll want to start the game and be electric. So, And the thing about Dunfermline, Dunfermline are a lovely footballing team. They want to pass the ball about. They may be open, they'll be expansive. That may just suit Rangers. Whereas if Dunfermline then, under Peter Grant, come and be compact and be hard to play against, I don't think that's in Peter Grant's makeup. So it may just allow Rangers that little Thing bit of space is, to well, play. I, I know I said earlier on about the players that uh, Stephen's been patient with and they've been patient uh, in waiting for their opportunity to start this season for Rangers. But then again, there's a balancing act in there. How, how many changes do you make? Because it is a game that Rangers have to win. You know, Dunfermline will come. It's a free hit for them. They can come. They're not expected to win at Ibrox on Friday night. Uh, even though Rangers are not in great form, lost the last three. But listen, I just feel that you might make one or two changes, but you can't go gung-ho and make six or seven. I don't think they can afford to do that. Because there is because there is that pressure of sorting out the cup competition record, which, with, you know, a lot of Rangers fans reckon uh, it could have been a clean sweep. Yeah, yeah, it could have been a clean sweep Sadly, last go out of the yeah. way in, in, in both caps. Yeah. Rangers were still in the, in the cup. They had the opportunity. But listen, these things, these things happen. But um, as I said, I don't think they can afford to make too many changes. They'll make a few, I would imagine, on Friday. But um, not too many. And do you feel, Cami, it's don't panic at the moment? Everything's going to be restored to normal service shortly? Well, I would hope so, Rob, but it's, it's not looking that way. Um, I, I still feel as if Rangers haven't put in a proper... I understand you can't play at your best for the full 90 minutes, but it seems as if we're starting off games really well for the first 35 minutes. I mean, we drop off it completely. We're going back to the same... Tavernier has the ball. If the cross isn't on, we'll knock it back to the centre half. They'll play out to Barisic. He'll try to put a ball in the box. Last night, we couldn't put a cross in past the first man, yeah. which baffled me why we didn't put Cedric Kitten on the pitch. All we're trying to do is put crosses into the box. Why not chuck a big target man striker on? At least he's going to try to get his head onto things. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it, what's really strange is that, is that so many aspects of Rangers' game, which were strengths last season, are, are weaknesses at the moment. But uh, Stephen Gerrard will hope that the recovery starts on on Friday in the League Cup against Dunfermline. Uh, Cammy, good to have you on the show. Thanks for calling. Thanks for having Cheers, Cammy. Cheers, Cammy. That's Cammy, Rangers fan, hoping that recovery is about to start on the back of big disappointment last night against Malmo. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. All very busy on the roads and all very busy on Wednesday's Go Radio Football Show as well. We're almost 90 minutes in and we've had some great calls uh, tonight, which has taken the conversation in all sorts of different directions. That's the way it goes on here. Hopefully you're enjoying it and feel free to join in as well. 0808-17-17-700. Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Cragen are here. Looking back on what happened at Ibrox last night and looking forward as well to what's going to happen in the European ties uh, tomorrow night. I've, I've been planning to ask you, John, about Gordon Strachan for the, for the yeah. last hour and a half, but the conversation has taken us elsewhere so let's talk about that now after we've heard what the Celtic gaffer had to say because Gordon Strachan is going to be joining Celtic for three months in a senior advisory role he's also going to be holding on to his technical job with Dundee but what part is he going to have to play as far as the Celtic gaffer is concerned I reckon that falls around the remit of not in my world right now um, I've I met Gordon, and he's he's you know he's a very uh, passionate football person, which you know I kind of like. And the information I've had is that he's uh, you know we, we're keen to tap into his knowledge as a club in terms of you know some of the structures around the club, particularly around the academy and the women's football. Um, so, which you know I think is stuff that's really important infrastructure wise. But again, how much that comes on my radar at the moment? Um, you've asked me the question, I've answered it. That's probably the first time I've thought about it. So I'm thinking uh, Gordon Strachan's not really too involved as far as Andrew Postacoglu is concerned, John. Didn't sound like, did it? Um, otherwise, Andrew would have probably just said that, yes, uh, I want. I would like to work with Gordon. Uh, he said he'd like to tap into his knowledge of mm. the football club, meaning the academy, the women's team. Um, but I would imagine as well he'd be a good person to tap into. Sounding board? Thought. I would have thought so. You know, he's been at Celtic. I think he won three titles. Um He's managed his country, uh, vast experience, managed Southampton, down in England, Coventry um, for a long periods. And um, I think Gordon's wise enough to, to know what he can and what he can't take on and what, what he'll be good at. And one thing about Gordon Strachan is that anything he takes on, he will do it 110%. Because mm. when he's doing television with him, you know, he wants to take over. Mm. I remember, I remember, you know, have you, got, have you got a pressure buzzer to interrupt? Well, I remember playing under Gordon. Gordon would join in. He wants to take the throw-ins. He wants to take the penalties. He wants to take the corners. He wants to take the free kicks. He wants to referee the game. He's so infectious. He's, mm. he's got so much energy. And he knows an awful lot about the game. You know, he's... he's um, as I said, and you can't buy experience. So, I think, yes... Um, the fact is, he's only going in apparently because Ange would have confirmed it otherwise. If it was to work with Ange, mm. um, but it's going to be apparently it's going to be the academy and it's going to be the younger groups and um, so no, you know, good luck to him. As I said, he's still got his role at Dundee. I know, I know, he enjoys that. Um, I speak to him all the time, Gordon. You know, I worked with him twice at Coventry and at Celtic. Yeah, won the league in his first season at, at Celtic, of course. 
Um, you know, so you know if I, if that's what he feels is is the next move for him. Uh, but it's only three months. Mm. It's only on a sort of interim trial type of tr- type basis. Yeah. But how much you know influence he wants, he, yeah. he, he will decide that himself. Well, what I'm saying is that Ange is 55 years of age. He's not a, a young up and coming no. manager, Rob. No, no. You know, no. he's managed his country. Ange has managed in a World Cup. You know, yes, he's managed in Australia, he's managed in Japan. So he's played in the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, 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 but managing's probably slightly different. You could probably give more <laughs> advice to the manager. So uh, uh, you spoke about a sounding board. I think he's been a sounding board for James McPake mm. at Dundee. So mm. I think Gordon may have been aware. Listen, there's things he can do and things he can't do. You know, I can't work with one Scottish Premiership manager, a young manager up and coming, trying to guide him and give him advice, and then go to someone like Ange and do it. So. But again, even at Dundee, I think he's involved with the academy, he's involved with the young players to be doing the same at Celtic. It just seems strange you can work for two clubs. I have no problem with it, but it just seems it's strange you can work with two clubs in the one league. Yeah, and, know, a, and a few media commitments yeah, as well. Right, listen, yeah. why not? Listen, you get the gig for it then. Absolutely. Then for a yes, we'll all sign up to that one, I think. Um, so Andrew's been talking today on a number of uh, subjects, the the Celtic manager. Uh, we've his, been speaking in the course of the show about Odson Edouard. What happens? Is there a chance that he might stay on and, and then walk away as a, a free agent in a year's time rather than be sold at the moment to a Brighton or a Southampton or whoever else happens to be in the bidding? And that was a question that was thrown at Ange Postacoglu today. Oh, no, nah, not that I'm aware. No, I'm not concerned at all. Um, if it means, you know, if, if that means he stays here and he contributes, then uh, that, so be it. But again, uh, that's stuff that I'm not really spending too much time uh, thinking about. There are certain things that are out of my control um, that are just not going to waste time during this period anyway when it's really hectic, um, um, spending too much time and energy thinking about it. Uh, you know, my f- total focus is on sort of getting the team ready for these games, playing our football, which is not easy and, and needs, you know, a lot of attention from me and the staff and also working on bringing players in. Um, outgoings, are, I've left totally to other people. So that's other people's concerns. You, you're probably right. There is a concern there around uh, cashing them in, but there are probably questions for other people. I get what he's saying. I, I get what he's saying. My job is to deal with the players who are here and the team and games and they're coming thick and fast and all the rest of it. But this is a big factor, isn't it, mm. in terms of what happens next for Celtic? Do they sell him? Because if he stays, then we've spoken about it already in the show. That's potentially a fantastic attacking partnership of of Edouard and Furuhashi if they're not going to get the, the sort of fee John they're after. Well, we don't know, Rob. We We, we don't know what conversations that he's having with the board now Andrew's he's come across extremely bright intelligent measured um, he hasn't got too disappointed with you know big defeats pre-season games if you like going out the Champions League he was still quite calm um, he doesn't seem to get too high you know with uh, too excited mm. overly excited but he could be saying, I, if I was Ange, all right, now I, I, I'm nobody to tell Ange what to do. Let me just get that straight before Celtic fans start thinking, oh, telling the big man, telling Ange what to do, blah, blah, blah. I'm nobody to tell the Celtic manager. I'm nobody, right? But what I would be doing, I would be saying to the board, if we don't get, if we don't get good money for him, I'd like to keep him. Simply because he's a top player. All right, he's lost a bit of form. His head's been turned. One, he might want to go. 
Secondly, he might have changed his mind. He might want to stay, uh-huh. Edward. Another thing is a club hasn't come up to the the fee in terms of what money Celtic would want for him. Yeah. But can you imagine, and I hope the Celtic fans listening, can you imagine having the option of Furuhashi and Edward? Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, we don't quite know where Griffiths sits yeah. in that. And then you've got Ayeti as well, who, who looks out of the picture right now. What it means is, is that you haven't got to go and buy another striker. Because they need a strike. If Edward goes, they'll need to replace him. Mm. They need to bring another strike. Can't do, rely on Furuhashi playing 50 games this season, league games and cup games and everything else. Because, you know, he's going to pick up the odd injury. Naturally, that will happen. So you, you need cover. Yeah. Um, so you also, you also come back to what we were talking about earlier and, and investing in Odson Edward for another season and trying to get the big prize at the end of yeah, the season, which well, is absolutely. which well, is Champions the, yeah. League. Well, it, I think Ange was very honest there. He said, I have no say in outgoings. Mm. So basically, if Edward is there and he's committed to the group and he's shown it in training, he will use him. But I think even if he went to the board and said, don't accept that, you know, I want to keep him. I think he's probably known when he came into the club. That was out with his hands. Yeah, if Edward stays, is, he stays. If he doesn't, is, then Craig, have to if sell he does, on. If he goes... He's going to have to buy another one anyway. Will you get one as good as Edward? No, listen, quite clearly you won't, but has Edward been at his 100% best over no, the past no, 18 months? Nowhere, nowhere near it. You know, so... Uh, but we don't know. He, he might well have... He, he might get a turn out of him. I don't know. Yeah, but the thing is that you know, the form that Furuhashi's shown, yeah. he starts as a number nine. Oh. If you then drop him in as a number 10, does that then affect because he's not getting as many goals? He certainly looks a top-class centre-forward playing on the last line of defence because of his movement and his sharpness and his awareness. And John said it, dragging people all over the place to then create space for other people. If Odson Edward was doing that, which he was doing two, three years ago, unplayable. But I don't think he's at that level. He's still, he's still a top-class player, but something's changed that his level hasn't been the same. Is that his best position, Furuhashi? We probably don't know yet because we haven't seen enough of him. But, but I mean, he, you know, he looks like a guy that could play any of the attacking positions because yeah. coming in off the left was was where he appeared at Tynecastle off the bench. He played number nine, obviously, against Dundee. Do you get a sense, John, already of what his best position is? Yeah. And and could you have Edouard and Furuhashi in the same team? Yes. Yes, you could. Um, good players can play with each other. Uh, you need as many good players in the, in the squad, in the group, as, as much as you can as a manager. Um, and after the boy have scored <laughs> four goals in two or three games as a centre-forward, I won't want to put him out of a centre-forward well, role. Exactly. But you yeah, see, that, the option the is there. Abada does it really well on the right. Um, I love Abada, by the way. Mm. I've, I've straight away, he's, yeah. he's, he just wants to go and take players on. He wants Andy, to get, Andy scores goals. Oh, and he wants to get balls in the box. When the ball comes in from the left-hand side, if he's on the right, he's in the box to get any knockdowns or anything that flashes across you know, the six-yard area. He's in there. Again, he's very intelligent. I like bright football players that tend to do the right thing, make the right pass. And we've got two good players there, two good players in Abada and Furuhashi. And I think Ange wants to add, and he's just said himself, he's only he only wants to be in control of players that come in. Things that players that leave may mm. just may be out of his hands. Although you know? pl- although players who go out have an influence on players who come yeah, in, don't they? Obviously, they do. we, we, so we've spoken about about Edward. Uh, we've heard what he said today about Edward. This was, was what he said today about Ryan Christie. Of course, there's another big question mark about whether he stays or goes. 
In terms of his future, no. Um, but in terms of his football, as you said, he was he was outstanding on the weekend. He's been outstanding in all the games, to be fair to him. And uh, really love working with him. His 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 energy levels at training and and in games are are infectious. You know, not just in terms of what he does, but in terms of the whole group. Uh, hopefully, um, tomorrow night he he puts in another, uh, which I'm sure he will, puts in another strong performance. Um, and you know, in terms of his future, again, I, it's it's just it's just things that are out of my hand. I, I you know, like I said, I I, I don't control uh, the lives of, of of our footballers. All we can do is you know provide some advice and and provide an environment. Hopefully, they're happy in. And, and beyond that, it's it's up to them and what they want to do. If we could get inside Ryan Christie's head, we would know whether his mind is already made up and there's no shifting him that he wants to to move on or whether he can be persuaded and whether the arrival of a player like Furuhashi makes his eyes light mm. up and, and think this could be a special season. Well, I think what will please Ange, you probably touched on it there, is that it hasn't affected Ryan Christie's performances. I even thought his performance in the first game against uh, Mitchelland was terrific at Celtic mm. Park. He was yeah. a real driving force of energy. And I think that tells you a lot about an individual, that if he's going to stay, then at least he's on form. If he's going to move, then the club who's taken him is watching Celtic and thinking, he's flying. You know, let's bring him in because he's got that energy. He seems to have got his appetite back. And that's the biggest difference between Celtic and the second half of last season, or probably most of last season, and this season. They've got an edge to their attack and play. And they can score six against Dundee. You in the fancied Celtic to score six at home against anyone last mm-hmm. season. They didn't have that. So you've got Furuhashi who doesn't have the burden of last season. You've got Abada who doesn't have the burden of last season. Ryan Christie is if he's taken the shackles off because yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe the transfer speculation has well, been surrounding I th- him. I think as well, people, people are saying, and I've said it myself, i uh, watched a lot of Celtic over the last 18 months, and Ryan Christie was poor at times last season, but everybody was poor. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> everybody was poor last season. Hmm. Hence, you know, losing the league, losing the Caps, not winning anything, not beating Rangers losing to Ross County, blah, 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 right? Everything was poor. Forget it, it's gone, right? Start again now on the new season. But Ryan Christie, because he raised the bar so high and his performance levels were ridiculous at the time when he first came into the team. Under Brendan Rodgers, wasn't it? Brendan Rodgers had him playing in an advanced road. He was scoring 25, 30 yarders, scoring finals. And then all of a sudden, he just seemed to found that form again from nowhere. Because the way that he finished the end of the season, and obviously with his contract running down mm. as well, that gives supporters that opportunity to question his commitment. Because mm-hmm. if you're not playing very well and he letting your contract running down, you're getting it, you're getting it both barrels, aren't you? He looked like he could you know? be a player on the way out, didn't he? Yes, the way he things did. were going. But he's found something with Ange. He's found something. He's found a new desire, a new determination to go and perform. Could be and man management, John. And to be could be yeah, man management. Yeah, listen. If you go, if you're moving, fine. I, that's not, I can't affect that. Yeah. What I would say is, don't leave here with a bad taste in your mouth or the supporter saying, well, he didn't try. Absolutely. Go and play with the freedom. You know, so that because could be the man management a, side. There's a fantastic player exactly. in there. And he has been brilliant side. this season, right from the off. Big night for Celtic tomorrow night at home to Yablonets. John will be there, 7.45 kickoff. Same time for Aberdeen at home to Breda Bleak. Uh, looking for another step forward towards the Europa Conference League. It's Rijeka against Hibs. 1-1 from Easter Road, that game in Croatia in the second leg. And the big one in Perth, a full house at McDermott Park for St. Johnston against Galatasaray. Good luck to all four. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. I'm going to need to lie down. 
I'm going to need to lie down after this. <laughs> Having uh, coped with all that uh, travel news, plenty of it, of course, with all the heavy rain of late causing major issues. Into uh, the last 15 minutes of Wednesday's Go Radio football show, it's Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen, and uh, John Hartson. It's been good to have you with us, and you've been very much involved in the show as well, uh, directing. Uh, the conversation wherever the football chat goes you have a big say in all of that looking ahead to uh, tomorrow night in Europe and uh, of course the day that it was all uh, formalised in Paris uh, that Lionel Messi uh, signed up as a Paris Saint-Germain player uh, on a major wage cut but he's uh, still on uh, just the half a million pounds a week so he's probably going to be okay on that and uh, I was just looking at uh, what the PSG team could be uh, for next season so Donnarumma in goals uh, one of the best goalies in the world of course the Moroccan international Hakimi at right back uh, Juan Bernat the Spanish international at left back Sergio Ramos and Marquinhos central defence and Craigs of course is going to come back at me here and no, tell me who, who else doesn't get into this team well, Marco Verratti and Gini Wijnaldum in the midfield. Uh, three in front, Di Maria, Messi and Neymar, Kylian Mbappe up top. Well, we, we looked at it earlier um, and we just thought, wow. You know, it was it uh, Icardi, centre-forward, used to play for Inter Milan, mm-hmm. be a sub. You know, it's just, I mean, you're talking about Donnarumma being the, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He might not have anything to do next year. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> he might lose his place because he won't have many saves to make. You'd imagine it seemed like that. Um, but listen, you know, you, you can see the, the fanfare around Messi going to Paris Saint-Germain. I was sent to you last night, I was, it's in, I'd read about last night, they released 150,000 jerseys with Messi 30 in the back at 10 o'clock last night. 150,000. And within seven minutes, they were sold <laughs> out. Yeah. So you can only imagine what yeah. that's going to be like yeah. with jerseys, with kits, with memorabilia. So mm. I think they've been sensible with regards to their investment. They know they will get a huge chunk of it back. And to have him playing in Liga next year will be sensational for the league and again it will grab so many more headlines and sponsorship deals and people wanting to go and see him so yeah I mean there will be a massive commercial clawback in terms of what they've outlaid but what they've outlaid is is massive as well and when you read through those names John that's a wage bill isn't it I just want to say that the wage bill must be just rocket Uh, unbelievable Uh, Ramos also joining was that on a free yeah, yeah, all free. Well, yeah. And so Donnar- the, Donnarumma was a free. There you go. So uh, Wijnaldum was a free. They saved money, of course, because they don't have to pay a fee for these guys, but their wages would be astronomical. Who's uh, going to stop them in the Champions League? There's plenty of teams. There's Bayern Munich. There's Barcelona. Uh, Barca, maybe. Uh, Barca. Man Man City. Uh, Atletico Madrid. They won La Liga last year. They'll yeah, be but it's very difficult. You look at Man City. Man City still yeah. haven't won it. Surprise last season. Chelsea just, you know... Um, coming on the inside rail, if you like, and just winning it towards the end of the season, get hit in really good form. Yeah. Um, I like him. You know, Thomas, Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel. Really yeah. like him. I just like how he sets his just team up. Players, you watch them. Players seem to run for yeah. him as well and so play for him, don't they? Really yeah, they good. just want to play for yeah. Tuchel. That's how it looks to me. Yeah. Do you know right. another one as well? So just with Mbappe, I think he's in his last year of his contract, isn't he? Mm. Trying to get him to sign a new deal. You think bringing Messi in and, and his Poch as well. You can play Pochettino beside this guy. You know, these, that yeah. might help enhance. And Bappy stand a little bit longer, so maybe those of you who remember the Harlem Globetrotters, it, <laughs> it, it does it does look a bit like that. The football version of uh, of the Harlem Globetrotters. It's going to be uh, 
It's going to be some journey with uh, PSG this season with all those stars on board. Some sad news on the some sad. I was just going to say some sad news on the show at this point in that Brian Rice uh, has resigned as head coach at Hamilton Ackies. Um, Alan Alan Maitland, the chairman, uh, is quoted here as saying uh, today. Uh, without any previous indications, we received a letter of resignation from Brian Rice. While it's come as a surprise, we now fully understand his reasoning uh, for leaving at this time and have, with regret, accepted his resignation. It's been an extremely um, difficult uh, 18 months dealing with all the issues surrounding the pandemic, including the recent relegation from the Premiership. And there's no doubt that it's taken its toll on Brian, his staff and everyone connected to the club. I think we just hope he's OK. Well... That's the thing, we don't want to speculate on anything or what's going on, Rob, but you know, reading between the lines and that, we just hope Brian is okay health-wise. Uh, physically, we hope he's in a good place. Mentally, we hope he's in a good place. Um, he's been very honest in the past about issues that he's had and you know, he, he's faced those things up. So you just hope by reading with that, you just hope it's a footballing decision. He's thought, do you know what? It's been a tough gig. We've got relegated. The team haven't started the way I wanted and he's going to pass it on to someone else to try and take the baton forward because he's a, he's a great guy, Brian. Yes. He loves his football. He speaks mm. passionately. No matter where you go to a game in Scotland on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night of Hamilton they're not playing, Brian will be there watching the game. He just loves football. So, fingers crossed he's okay. And, that, and that's a job that will interest quite a lot of people, I would imagine, because Hamilton will want to be bouncing back to the Premiership. Well, they will. They've only um, just come down last season. Um Still have a number of good players who can who can perform very well in mm. the championship and maybe take them on because they'll have that that little bit extra quality, you know, going into the championship. But just going back to Brian Rice there, um, you know, some people you talk about in football and you go, oh, what about him? I met him. I wasn't too keen on him. A bit arrogant. I didn't like him. Oh, what, what do you mean? Well, he ignored me. So I'm just making things up. Mm. This one ignored me. I walked past. I thought, uh, and I wasn't, he was a bit like, oh, and I thought... But you know when you mention Brian Rice to anybody, mm -hmm. great guy. Yeah. People say, what a great yeah. guy. I was there actually Friday night with Frank McAvenny and Didier Gatt. Mm -hmm. Hamilton was in one of the lounges upstairs yeah. raising some money um, for the blameless charity that they have there. And they do amazing work uh, to Hamilton as a football club and the community. They take a lot of children with, with problems and, and difficult backgrounds off the street and and they um, they provide you know different activities and trips and things like this. And, and he was a, with and autism he, and all. Yeah. You know, so he was yeah. a good fit, wasn't he, for a for a club that does all that sort Absolutely. of stuff? Brian Rice was a perfect fit. Really and, nice and it's, guy. Yeah. I, I remember I when I was doing a bit of Sky last year, I wanted to know a bit more about teams and things like this because I'd been away from it for a while. Mm. And I got older Brian's number. I said, Brian, can I come and have a chat with you just to see what you've done in the summer? Who you sold? I was Easton, your captain. I think he was out at the time. He was, he was going to miss him, blah, blah, blah. And he couldn't have been nicer to me. He invited me in, took me in for a cup of tea. And, you know, I'm, de I'm, I'm gutted for him because he's no longer involved as a manager because he loved his job. I know he loved being the Hamilton manager. Just loves football, yeah. you know. Um, and hopefully he's back in the game. I hope he's all right. Yeah. I hope he's healthy. Yeah. I, need, I yeah. need to give him a little bit, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and he's, he's somebody that you just expect and want to be involved at the yeah. sharp end of Scottish football. We started the show talking about Rangers and the fallout uh, from that result last night at Ibrox against Malmo. We're going to finish the show talking about the other four European representatives uh, who are all involved uh, tomorrow. Seven o'clock, St. Johnson, Galatasaray and Rijeka against Hibs, 7.45 Celtic against Jablonets, Aberdeen against Breda Bleak. How many uh, of those four do you think will still be 
uh, talking about in European terms Crags beyond tomorrow? I hope three at least. I think Hibs will have enough when they go to Rijeka. Uh, the emphasis will be on Rijeka to go and chase the game. I think it suits Hibs at times with Jamie Murphy wide on the left and Martin Boyle. They can play counter-attack in football. Hibs last season picked up more league points away from home than they did at home. So that tells you it kind of suits him sometimes to sit in, whereas having to go and chase the game maybe exposes him a little bit. So I would like to think Hibs can go there and get a get a victory. Great for them. I think Aberdeen have got more than enough to beat Bright Black. I think really the tie should have been put to bed last week. Mm-hmm. They made it difficult for themselves. Celtic, uh, Yablonets, no problem at all. I think Celtic will see that out. The big one is St. Johnson against Galatasaray. We just hope that they can surprise us again and pull out an incredible result against Galatasaray. Full house back in them, which is great. You know... Uh, a lot of St. Johnson fans will go to cheer them on. They won't be too worried if they don't go chasing the game early on. They'll be compact. They'll be hard to play against. Galatasaray are a good team. But you give them chances and St. Johnson can punish you. So four would be amazing, but certainly three would be excellent. Yeah, we Jordan on the show earlier on and he's heading to that game in Perth tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, a big crowd and, and that's what that deserves. And I think St. Johnson have priced it uh, smartly as well. They haven't looked to make a killing out Season of it. ticket holders free? Yeah. Which is, yeah. which is a little reward yeah. from last yeah, season because, yeah and they want a crowd they've, yeah. they've had that great result in Turkey and they want to make the most of it uh, tomorrow night in Paris. absolutely it's a great night for them um, you know and hopefully you know they can cause uh, Galatasaray a few problems tomorrow and hopefully go through it'll be a difficult game Galatasaray they showed in Turkey last week how good they were I think St. Johnson rode their luck early on and then Galatasaray get their goalkeeper sent off and and then they score the penalty and then they actually carved out quite a few opportunities St. Yeah. Johnson at the time. But early on, they hit the post. They need the goalkeeper to play well. All these things need to go your way if yeah. you're going to beat one of the big guns in Europe. The, the night's got to go. You need that little bit of luck. Yeah. Celtic will have no problems. They'll go through. I don't think uh, Yablonets um, were that good last week, although Celtic, Celtic did score four goals away from home, four different goal scorers. And... Um, and obviously, Craig's has already explained how Aberdeen and Hibs are going to do. Yeah, well, absolutely. Would St. Johnson be one of the best results from a Scottish club in Europe? Certainly in recent history. Mm. Of course it would. Beating Galatasaray over two. Yeah. That would be incredible. I mean, not, not only that, on the back of winning the double last year, yeah. would yeah. just be an incredible achievement what for a small club like St. Johnson. Well, I think it's, it's possible, yeah. but I mean, a bit unlikely, but maybe we could get... Yeah. Three and and yeah. it's used you used the word refreshing earlier on in connection with the the top of the league table at the moment. But what's really refreshing is when teams other than Rangers and Celtic punch above their weight yeah. and actually make a contribution good for the in league, Europe. Good for the supporters. It's good for the other clubs. Absolutely. Celtic it's, and Rangers, one fans will probably won't agree with you. But as yeah. I said, uh, don't worry, John. They never do. <laughs> Not <laughs> no, in but a bad way. But, but, yeah. but it's good for the coefficient. It's good for the pecking order. Yeah. Yes. And and it's it's a sort of it's a combination of results that do things like giving Scotland an automatic route yeah. into the how Champions often League group. How do we group? watch you know, the Europa League group stages and think, how did they get there? Surely yeah. our teams are better than them. And how, you know, how come they get to the playoffs and our team are getting knocked out? So Aberdeen and Hibs, it's been uh, far too long since they've been challenging to really get into the group stages. Yeah, Let's look hope. at no Celica Rangers in the cup final last season. Yeah. You know, yeah. St. Johnson cleaned up. Fair play to them. We've done plenty of talking about a uh, big week for Scots clubs in Europe. Let's hope we are continuing to do that for the rest of the year. Thanks to John. Thanks to Craig's as well. We're back tomorrow night. Paul is here with Davy Proven and Chris Burke live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.